My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I knew that. <laughs> You're going to do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here of Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the raspy dispatcher. I have officially made my way back on a graveyard shift and I'm thriving, y'all. It, it is the best shift of life for me. I know that's not the reality for everyone, but I am so excited to be back on grave. So that means I'm recording this at 3 p.m. my time in California. And so that means I just woke up and I'm loving it. <laughs> so today's guest is the lieutenant over training for their center and the NCIC training uh, terminal agency coordinator and has been doing this since 1991 in the dispatch world. And very similar to me, they have a passion for making the world of dispatch a better place. My guest today, Sheila. Hi hey, there. Are How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am like I, we were talking about before we got on here. I was like, I'm back on Graveyard. I'm loving life. And that probably sounds weird for a lot of people. Uh, but I really do much better when I'm working Graveyard Shift. Yeah, that was my preferred, my actual preferred shift was mid-shift when we had eight-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, mid-shift I don't mind. is my natural circadian rhythm. <laughs> so that was my, that was my, if only great they based for my it. work life, not yeah. so great for my home life. But. <laughs> only if they based our uh, uh, scheduling requests on our circadian rhythms, you know, that would right. be a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Well, Sheila, tell us a little bit how you got into public safety. It is a funny, funny story. So I started dating my now husband. Uh, We met on a blind date, and he was a volunteer fireman for a rural county not far from where I lived. And we were out on a date, and they got a fire call. It came out as a grass fire. I got dumped at the fire station again. (laughs) It turns out it wasn't a grass fire. It was a large log cabin that was under construction. Mm. But the lady that was reporting it was looking out some sliding glass windows. So to her, it looked like the backfield was on fire. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, small, very rural community. Um, The fire chief came across the radio and said, if there's anybody at the station, answer this radio. Because You're like, they didn't get their dispatcher to answer. <laughs> that was my exact. Uh, that that can, was me. Can they see me? <laughs> I, I'm like going. Uh, I walked over and touched that mic like I was trying to pick up a snake. <laughs> and, which, if you know me, that would never happen. <laughs> so I keyed up and I didn't know any radio jargon. I knew just a little bit of what I'd heard over the radio, you know. And so I keyed up and I said, Hey, Randy, I'm here. And he said, who are you? And I said, this is Sheila, Greg's girlfriend. And he said, okay, next to the radio, there's a Rolodex. And he started telling me all this stuff that he needed me to do. And I did it. And um, then I started doing administrative stuff, volunteering, keeping up with their volunteer hours, 
um, you know, learned some ins and outs. And um, then I was working at the time for a plumbing company mm-hmm. and was just really not happy. And um, someone said, hey, I think the county, the county where I live now is hiring for a dispatcher. And so I went in to apply and um, the, I'll tell another quick story. So when they called me for my interview, this was in 1990, Mm -hmm. it was in like October of 1990. And they set it up for like a, I think it was a Saturday afternoon. And I thought that was kind of odd, but I was like, well, if you're going to work 24 seven, you know, why not do an interview on a Saturday? But I thought it was kind of cool because then I didn't have to take off work. Mm. So I show up in the dispatch office. They stick me in there and they're like the deputy chief and whoever else was interviewing me got called out on a call. Do you want (laughs) to just hang out with us for a little while? And you can see what this is all about. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I'm sitting in there and uh, at the time they only had two dispatchers and uh, it was visitation day in the jail. So (laughs) the phones were ringing off the hook. And so the lady that was sitting there, she says, do you mind doing me a favor? Now I'm expecting her to say, can you go get me a Coke? Or like, have you talked to Randy? Do you know Randy asked me for favors too? I said, sure. And so she turns the admin phone around and she says, these two lines are the jail lines. And it's just going to be people asking about visitation here and hands me a piece of paper. Just tell them this. And I was like, are you sure? Like, okay. So I answer the phone a few times and she's right. It's just people asking questions. I read from the little script and then all of a sudden I answer the phone and it's this guy and, um, Just for the people listening, we are in, I live in northern Mississippi, Hmm. um, right outside of my boss says that we're a suburb, that Memphis is a suburb of Olive Branch, Mississippi, but Hmm. that's where I live. So we're in the very northern part of the state. And uh, at the time, out way out in the county was still, it's still pretty rural in some areas, but out there it was really rural back then. And I answer the phone and it's this guy and he's like, I think we're going to need the sheriff's department down here. And I said, okay, sir, what's, what's going on? And uh, he said, well, me and my buddy, we was duck hunting and we went around this tree and uh, uh, there's a body chained to this tree. And it looks like the guy's been shot. And I said, tell me again where you are. And you just start reading the visiting script. like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay. So I write down his name and the name of the grocery, the little convenience store where he had driven to, because back then there were no cell phones. Mm, You had to physically go to find a payphone. Wow. And so I said, okay, sir, I hate to ask you, but can I place you on a brief hold? And he says, yes. And so I put him on hold and I turned the phone around to Bonnie and I said, I don't think I'm qualified to talk to this man. And she said, why, what does he need? And she was, you know, she wasn't being snarky, but you know, they were just really, busy, really busy. Yeah. And I said, um, I don't know something about a body chain to a tree. looks like they've been shot. They're out in I told her, the area they were in. And um, here's his name. And I'm guessing that the chief deputy is going to still be busy. 
probably not going to do this interview today. So I wrote down my name and my phone number again. And I said, just tell him to call me and we'll have to reschedule this. <laughs> and she's like, okay. So like, it was like three weeks and I thought, well, I guess they're never going to call me. And the chief deputy called me. And so I went in expecting to go in for an interview and he just had me read some stuff. And then back then they would make you do a simple math test, which mm. I thought was really odd. And I was like, yeah, then he had this big, huge wall map and he was like, go over there and find this and this and this. And he starts, you know, rattling stuff off to me. And he said, so, um, uh, something about something being east of somewhere and I'm looking on the map and I'm not real I'm not real good if you put me in a room and tell me to point south I'm mm-hmm. I'm not your girl yeah looking at a map I do a little bit better and so I did what he asked me to do and he and I turned around and there was two other you know people in uniform at the time I had no idea who they were and uh, he said okay can you start on New Year's Eve <laughs> And I said, yeah, he said, well, we got to take it before the board of supervisors, but you're pretty much hired. If you can start on New Year's Eve at 10 p.m. And then they called me the next day and sent me to get uniforms. I was just like, this is the oddest thing ever. (laughs) But this is the part that always blows people's minds. I took this job. At the time, we made $1,000 a month. And we got a uniform stipend and no benefits. Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. Man, you you held in there. <laughs> so they and they were real disrespectful in your hiring process. You were you're like the, the, they were like probably before you walked in the room, like, look, she already took a dead body call. Like she did just fine. We're gonna if yeah. she can do a map, we'll hire her. <laughs> yeah, so that's what Miss Bonnie told them. They were like, she told me a couple of after I've been there about six or seven months, she said anybody else would have probably run out the door. She said, and you were just like, um, sir, can I place you on a brief hold? <laughs> you know, and it's so funny, like, when you're handing off, when you handed off that call, was she like, oh, okay, or was she like, oh, dead body? Like, <laughs> Yeah, because back then, that was a very unusual, a yeah. very unusual call for us. I mean, it's not extraordinarily common now, praise goodness, because... yeah. I'm not about that, but um, <laughs> sounds funny. You've been in the business this long, but you know, there's just a lot that has to be done when you get a call like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of notifications, you know, then you have, you know, all the other stuff that goes with it. So um, yeah. it was very unusual back then. And that's what she told the sheriff. She was like, he was like, well, I mean, how good is she? Miss Bonnie was telling me later. She was like, she didn't even blink hard. <laughs> She was like, yeah, she pretty much passed psych with that. We're yeah, just the was, right level of crazy, you know? Like, yeah, ah, I guy tied to the tree. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> I was just so naive that I, 
at that point, my being so naive really helped me out. <laughs> but what a wonderful example. And I mean, for you, uh, extra because you weren't in the job, but for folks listening, like we say it all the time, you literally never know what's going to come over the phone. And I mean, at that time, that was a, you said it was an admin line they were calling in on, mm-hmm. right? So probably yep. equivalent to our non-emergency lines today. And it's like, oh, got a dead body here. <laughs> you know, like just. <laughs> when I first started at the sheriff's department, there was only one city municipality that had 911. All the 911 calls rang into the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. We had no um the 911 phone was literally just a telephone mm. a dedicated 911 line we had three of them and um you didn't have any screens you had no Annie no Allie it was literally just a phone number wow and so what what was that like in the beginning for you when you were I mean, it was a it was a rough interview process. <laughs> you get the job, you know. You show up on New Year's Eve, which is real disrespectful of them to do to you, by the way. <laughs> like, how was that in the beginning for you in that training process? And there whatever. wasn't back then. There wasn't a training process. There literally was not. There was no process. It was like, and because it was. I don't want to say it was simple, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as techni- technical as it is now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my original cat, I, my trainer, um, the first thing he told me when I sat down, he said, pick out what kind of pen you like. And I said, <laughs> what? He said, ink pen. Your ink pen is very important. And I was like, okay. Well, I mean, at the time I'm thinking, what does my ink pen have to do with anything? <laughs> and so, but that was our original CAD system. Um, and his best advice to me, and they tease me at work now because I always have, I have a particular kind of pen that I like and I <laughs> purchased them myself and I always have two of them because that was very important. You always had two ink pens because if one stopped working or you dropped one in the floor, you still had a way to take down your information, keep up with your officers. Oh my gosh. So I'm like one of the few people that when CAD goes down, it doesn't... It's just smooth sailing. You're like, this is actually yeah, where I like to be. Yeah, it's, it's annoying, but it's pen. not... And, yeah, it's not quite the panic for everybody else. Oh, it's panic for me. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've avoided manual mode many times in my career, and I want to keep it that way. But I, I say all the time when I talk to folks who have been like doing this so long and have got to see the technology become implemented in, I don't know if I could have done this job pre-tech just because that's what I've grown up in. And the way folks dispatch back in the day is like, hardcore you know map books you know and like no one not mapping your officers no any alley no cell phones you three telephone 911 like i mean it's it's insane how far we've come really in a short amount of time mm-hmm. it is and it's on the really good days mm-hmm. the technology does make the job easier mm-hmm. but anytime there's a glitch in the technology mm-hmm. It 
and people say it as a bad thing, and I don't think it's a bad thing. We are all very, we need our tech because we've become dependent on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was training this last group of dispatchers that went out on the floor, um, I was explaining to them, I was like, you know, showing them how to use a map book, showing them how to read the wall map showing them the tricks that we have for when CAD goes down so that you know which precinct that's in or which ward that's in or which ambulance is in because we dispatch for it all. I now work for a municipality. I stayed at the Sheriff's Department about not quite two years and then I came to work for the city uh, mainly because I needed some health insurance. Hmm. I hear that. And, uh, yeah. so <laughs> I needed some health insurance. <laughs> um, and but I tell them all the time when that F5 tornado comes through because mm-hmm. we live in a tornado prone area mm-hmm. and we also live on the New Madrid fault line um, the area that we live in you know back in I don't know remember the date but mm-hmm. there's been earthquakes here that were so strong it made the Mississippi River run backwards and created a no. recreational area now we call Real Foot Lake Wow. So it's happened. And yeah. I always tell them, we always have to remember the possibility is there. The probability is low, mm. but we train for the possibility. True. And we're prepared for the possibility. And um, so they were like, I said, you know, if a tornado comes through, you, you, you don't have cell phones because they Tornadoes like cell phone towers. They eat them. They're like a little snack. It's like a little candy. And, you know, they take the cell phone tower and they throw it through, you know, mm-hmm. miles and miles away. We'll find parts of the cell phone tower. Oh and, yeah. you know, so we have to be prepared because as much as dispatch depends on tech, so do our officers and our firemen and our paramedics. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be screaming to you for directions. Mm-hmm. And so I try to tell them all the tricks and stuff we used to use back in the day when there wasn't any GPS. Yeah. And I mean, it really goes a long way knowing those little things that, you know, folks who have been doing this, like have those tricks and tips and like for folks who are Mm -hmm. listening, you can learn so much from anyone in the room dispatching with you, especially folks who have seen you know, the tech be developed and implemented and knows what it's like to work without it because we are very fortunate to have the technology that we have now because it does essentially make our job easier most days. Um, But there was a time where it wasn't there and we still Mm -hmm. did this job, you know? Um, So it can be done. I'm big. I'm a big supporter of technology in our centers and implementing these new things to try to make our jobs easier, a little less trauma filled, you know, save more lives, all that good stuff. Um, And I know sometimes in our centers, we don't like change. So, (laughs) but you know, there's good, there's bad. Um, But at the end of the day, the purpose is to, you know, save more lives, get to people faster. Mm -hmm. So I'm all, for that yeah and everybody always asked me when I was in college I took um public you know you required to take public speaking and so I asked the uh we had to do an informational presentation and so I told the the professor I said I want to do mine on the invention and implementation of 911 
And yeah. he literally looked at me and he said, it will bore people to tears. <laughs> I said, if I bore them to tears, <clears throat> then grade me appropriately. I guarantee you I will not bore them to tears. Yeah. And I told him, I said, it's one of the least celebrated things that, that the South has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, we, people like to make jokes about the South. We've heard them all. We make jokes about ourselves. We're okay <laughs> with it. But, you know, our, one of our claim to fame, first 911 call was made in Haleyville, Alabama. Yeah. That's only three hours from where I live. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, it, this is where 911 was born is mm-hmm. in the southern part of the country and then it just went from there yeah I said and it's I said people don't realize they're just uneducated about their cell phones you know when you're you get a new phone and you give your old phone to your baby to play with yeah and then the baby wants it to be able to make noises so you charge it up mm. and then the 911 operator gets to hear your baby jabbering oh and we're trying gosh. to find you Back in the and day, baby's mad at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tricks Why are you on my phone? Ones. Tricks for the new ones. When you have a kid on the phone, identify yourself as Santa Claus's <gasps> wife or Santa Claus's mom mm-hmm. or Santa Claus's, uh, you know, whatever. And I make myself an elf. <laughs> tell them that you need to talk to mommy or daddy or whatever grown up is there. You know, when they get to be a certain age and they mm-hmm. will take that phone to a grown-up. Wow. I'm like mind-blown right now that I never <laughs> <laughs> no, Like, new dispatch level unleashed. Like, Yeah, it's like, you know, when you've got them and they're just talking and, and you're like, you know, can you take the phone to your mommy or is there a grown-up in the house? And then you'd be like, this is Santa Claus's helper. I need to talk to a grown-up. Oh, my gosh. That's they hilarious. I can already them. see my partner, like, turning and looking at me like, who are you talking to? Who are you it telling works. your Santa, Ashley? <laughs> yeah, it works. Oh, my gosh. That's so that's so funny. Yeah. No, I, I really like that idea. But that's a trick before we had all the ways to find people when, when cell phones were phase one. Yeah, and all we had was a the provider and a mm-hmm. phone number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you came up with all kinds of tricks because you know those little those little pumpkins will hang up and call you right back. <laughs> yeah, they will for hours, <laughs> twenty times. <laughs> oh my god, that is but, hilarious! Uh, but anyway, I did cool. my I did my speech. I did my presentation on it. People did not understand. They have. And I, I don't want to blame, but I say that I think the cell phone companies could do a better job at educating mm, the people yeah. they're selling their product to. Um, a lot of people are under the misconception, like if, you know, that their cell phone is somehow connected to their area code. Mm, and mm-hmm. so they think if they're in another area or another region, if they dial 911, it's not coming to a local PSAP. Mm, mm-hmm. Um I've mm-hmm. had people, I don't know if you've ever had it, but I've had them when they dial 911, they think we're like a nationwide answering service. Oh, yeah. I, I'll get it all the time. Like, oh, I need, you know, I'm in California. You know, I need ambulance in New York. And you're like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> How would I know who to call? <laughs> oh, one of the favorite ones that I use in training is a gentleman called he'd been involved in an accident he wasn't from around here and I'm like okay sir you know 
what intersection you're at. Do you know what intersection you're at? And he's telling me the main street that he's on. And I'm like, yes, but you know, what intersection are you at? He said, hold on, I give you the coordinates off of my GPS. And I said, sir, if you just look out the window and tell me what you see, I can find you. <laughs> and he was like, oh, are you here local? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, oh, well, that's cool. I thought y'all were like just an answering service. <laughs> and he's like, I see this gas station. Tell me the name of it. And I knew exactly where he was, but it was just like, yeah, the, the you're going to pull your GPS and I'm like, okay, it's going to take me longer to type in those <laughs> coordinates and find you than if you just tell me what you see. <laughs> and it's, it, it really is true. Like the, the amount of misinformation that's out there in regards to um, locations and cell phones. I remember at my old agency, I answered a phone and it was right on a border um and there was like a shooting a shooting happened at like a house party so the folks who were calling were fleeing it and they're in their car and they're like like what street are you on they're like just map me and i'm like I, sir if i could i would why would i ask you if i already know where you are yeah. but you know and understandably like people are in crisis they're in you know especially that situation they're at a house party it's a shooting scary but calling me with no information is not helpful right so taking a moment to before you dial 911 and at least have your location goes a long way because if i get that at least i get that we got something to work with if i'm spending 20 minutes convincing you that that's not how technology works we're we're losing time right yeah and then the other thing is is Another big way that cell phones changed um, dispatch was the call volume. Mm. So used to, we have a major interstate that runs through our city. And so used to, if you saw a wreck on the interstate, you had to go to the next exit. You had to get off. You had to go to the convenience store. You had to find the payphone, dial 911. And then, you know, occasionally we would have someone that would be willing to go back to the scene. Yeah. Um, where now you get a minor fender bender at five o'clock at one of our major intersections and we might get 15 phone calls and no one knows anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No one knows anything other than there was two wrecked cars and traffic's backed up. Yeah. And they want traffic to get out the way and it's right. our job to move, teleport them out of the way. Yes. It's just. <laughs> and so it, you know, a lot of centers, we have to have, a, you know, an extra person just because when there is something, it, you know, a lot of times it's not even that major. You know, when the officers get there, they might need two records, but, you know, no one's bleeding and no one's dying. And we might have gotten 15 911 calls mm -hmm. for that one fender bender mm -hmm. where, you know, even 10 years ago, we, we would have maybe gotten three or five calls and the majority of the time one of those calls was going to be someone that was in the car hmm. and I don't know about y'all but now we have all these uh the crash thing or the thing on the phone <laughs> on star on star watch yes man <laughs> so I'll take a little sidebar funny joke about app funny story about apple watch 
So this one night we kept getting the call from the Apple Watch, call from the Apple Watch, fall detected, fall detected. And, you know, we could hear in the phone Mm -hmm. and we didn't have rapid SOS yet. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I guess because it was an Apple Watch, it wasn't, it would give us hardly any location information. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we had a general area and it just so happened these people were in an apartment complex and it's a three-story apartment complex. I knew which end of the building, but you know, that only narrowed it down by six apartments. Mm -hmm. And I keep listening and I'm like, I I think it's a disturbance y'all. And so my partner picks up and she's listening. She's like, yeah, I think it's a disturbance. So, um, we messed with it, messed with it. We went into our uh, report system and, and were able to find an address by the phone number. Okay. And we sent an officer over there. This is what I tell people now. Folks, take off your Apple Watch if you're a grown-up doing grown-up things in the middle of the night. <laughs> it thinks you fell. <laughs> 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 cell phones technology you gotta <laughs> love it you know <laughs> the was like uh dispatch everything is very secure at this location then he called us in called us later was telling us we were just dying laughing oh my gosh it's funny you that that open line does call 911 <laughs> when people are uh, bonding <laughs> yeah. it's um it's but it's, I mean, it's been interesting. It's been interesting when I think back at the progression of things. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, for me, technology has been, in the last five years, I feel like has boomed in mm-hmm. 911. Like, text 911 has been implemented uh, at my agency. Rapid SOS, Rapid Deploy, those type of companies are now integrated into our systems. Um, we have my last agency with this system called Shot Spotter. Like, there's all this tech that I've seen grow in the last five years. So I can only imagine, you know, being a dispatcher since 1991, how much growth in tech you got to witness, implement, hate, love, <laughs> all the things. Yeah, um, I like Rapid SOS. I'm not as comfortable with it as I want to be Mm, mm -hmm. so um working on that working Mm. on that but um Mm -hmm. some of it has been fabulous I mean it it's great because we can find people that truly are unable or don't have any idea where they are yeah um Mm -hmm. but the lack of education that has been rolled out to the general public I think not only does a disservice to 911 dispatchers but it does a disservice to the people Mm-hmm. it really does because really they don't does. they just don't know and they just don't understand they don't understand if you're not I always tell when I do my little public speaking or when I ask questions or I always tell people if you are not able to or you are unwilling to stop and render aid and it's not three o'clock in the morning and you've seen at least three other cars drive by you probably do not need to call it we more than likely know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's one of those, like, things where you, like, see something, say something, like, you know, you don't want someone not to call because if it, it's, like, where things end up being things sometimes, you know, um, 
But there is definitely a misunderstanding of when to dial 911 and when to dial a non-emergency number. You know, Mm -hmm. like not your uh, lack of willingness to locate a non-emergency number for a non-emergency non-emergency call doesn't mean you just get to dial 911 you know it's just <laughs> yeah you know because we we have dispatches we hear it on like oh it's not an emergency oh i didn't know the non-emergency number and it's like i mean we all have access on our phones to google and it's just You should, if you're listening now and you don't have it in your phone, you should have the non-emergency to your local department that you're spending the most time in. Um, And if you work in a different city, that place too, um, in your phone, because you don't, yeah, you don't want to have to look for it when you're feeling like you need to contact us. But to tie up a 911 line is irresponsible when it's not a 911 situation, right? And so I tell people... um, you know, sometimes, depending on the nature of the call, and I will tell them, I'm going to go ahead and take your information. But in the future, if this happens, mm-hmm. this is truly for the non-emergency line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so far, that's worked a little bit, but. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, um, yeah. But I do have a question um, sure. in regards to how you folks dispatch um, like tornadoes and stuff. So I went to school in Iowa and um, tornado weather, in my personal opinion, is terrifying. (laughs) I am. Let me tell you. Okay. So I was the lead before I was promoted to lieutenant. We, but we have, you know, dispatch, then you have a dispatch lead and then you have, well, now we're ranked lieutenant. We didn't mm-hmm. have rank for a long time. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and my shift was working and the weather was really bad. And so I called um, the senior dispatcher that was working. And I was like, do you need me to come up there? Because I knew they were about to have to activate the tornado sirens. Mm-hmm. Now we live in a tornado prone area. Mm-hmm. You set those puppies off and you wouldn't believe the people that call 911 and go, <laughs> The tornado sirens are going off. What do I do? Oh, my um, God. The right answer is not stand in front of your window and call me back when you hear the when you see the tornado. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the right answer. <laughs> you know, we have to tell them to seat cover or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. so I called her because I knew they were I knew they were about to have to set them off. And I knew they were going to get really, really busy. Yeah. And she said, do not try to leave your house right now. And I said, well, I'm looking out the window. And about that time, we have these big blue garbage cans for the mm-hmm. city to come pick up our trash. And they're they're really big. Mm-hmm. And about that time, I see three of them go down my street. Mm-hmm. You know, unassisted. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, well, I should go down the street, too. <laughs> yeah, and um, then my storm door on my back door just blew open and slammed shut. And it when it's I opened up the wooden door to to see if it was broken, to see if it had pulled it off the hinges. And there was so much force against the door that I couldn't push it open. So I still have my my, uh, senior dispatcher on the phone and I'm like, I'll be there. I can get there uh, if you need me. And she was like, just stay home. And um, right after she hung the phone up with me, uh, we 
we actually, the tornado never touched down, but okay. it blew over. And so when that happens, it, it causes a phenomenon called straight line winds. Hmm. So instead of tornadoes, you get 70, 80, 90 mile an hour winds. And hmm. the wind caught the edge of the roof of our dispatch office and peeled 70% of the roof off of the building. Oh my gosh. Now, I'm going to be a proud mom here for a moment. <laughs> I was so proud of my people. Yeah. My people handled it um, beautifully. They couldn't have done a better job. Mm. Um, no one could believe the amount of damage. Luckily for us, the actual room where the radios are, a radio room, dispatch floor, you know, everybody has a different name for it. Yeah. Um, the roof was intact over it and, um, and the front bathrooms. But the rest of, pretty much the rest of the building, it was, it looked like a sardine can. So they were like, so we have bathrooms, we have radios, so no one gets to go home. (laughs) (laughs) We're good, um, we got you guys. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not like a hurricane where you get days and days of warning, but typically if you live in an area that's prone to tornadoes, you just kind of know, you know how to watch the weather systems, you know how to watch the maps. Mm -hmm. Um, we're very fortunate because just on the other side of us there, we call it the Mid-South area because it's actually Little Rock, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee, then, Mm -hmm. um, Olive Branch, Mississippi. Uh, so when the weather's coming from Arkansas, when it hits those bluffs in Memphis, right on the Mississippi river, that takes a lot of the punch out of the storms. Arkansas gets it way worse than we do. Um, but when it comes up from the south, from south of us, uh, that's when we tend to have a lot of damage and tornadoes spawned around here. Yeah. See, when I was, you know, California kid, thin skin, mm-hmm. okay, snow, weather, <laughs> we don't do well with that here. And when I went to Iowa, my first winter out there, it was negative 32 degrees. And I was yelling mm. at my coach. I was like, you did oh not goodness. put this in the recruiting packet. We did not talk <laughs> about the weather. And he was like, oh, Val, this is the worst weather we've had in centuries. I'm like, okay, this is probably what it was like last year. I don't want to hear that nonsense. But my teammates who are from the Midwest as well were terrified of earthquakes. And I was like, we never get earthquakes. Like I had a teammate's sister whose house got taken up two years in a row Mm -hmm. by a tornado. And I was like, this is like tornadoes for you folks are guaranteed. Like it's a seasonal, it's like rain in the winter. (laughs) Like that is terrifying. Like I could never do it, but they were like, oh, it's like they're tornadoes. It's fine. Like it was just and tornadoes are so weird. I mean, they're really weird. Um, I saw, a, we we went, when my husband was with the volunteer fire department, we work, went and worked in an area that had been hit by a tornado. And the oddest thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life was there was an old farmhouse. Mm-hmm. And there was the concrete walkway going up to the farmhouse and the, then the tall porch, concrete porch. And then there was nothing. The tornado took the house. Mm-hmm. The flowers, like these little yellow buttercup flowers that were lining the walkway up to the house, totally untouched. Still sitting there. 
um, a uh, mobile Gosh. home that they had put in that was down near the barn, um, totally untouched. The roof of the barn was taken off of the barn and just sat over to the side of the barn. But it was just, I was like, really? It takes out the whole, and I'm, there was nothing left. Ashley, I tell you, there yeah. was nothing left of this house. This concrete porch, three steps, and then it was, there was nothing there. Oh my gosh. And like, you couldn't even tell if you hadn't have been able to see the, the, where the foundation of the house had been in the dirt, mm -hmm. you would have never known. There was nothing, like not a. Not a stick, not a, a shingle, Jeez. nothing. The house was just gone. Yeah. And but the flowers were, I'm like, what the heck? You know, the buttercups are still fine. Could you Mailbox imagine? Like, well? still sitting there. <laughs> the house is completely gone. Like they left, they left, it feels almost disrespectful. Like they left the flowers. Is this a gift? Like, is yeah. it? <laughs> like oh my gosh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they are scary. And I've, uh, <clears throat> been in a couple uh we were when i was a teenager when i was a kid where we had damage to our house but mm -hmm. um the storms fascinate me it freaks my daughter out i'm mm -hmm. i'm the one out on the porch watching them and, <laughs> but i've i've studied the weather enough to know when i really need to yeah. like the the thing the night that the roof got ripped off the dispatch i was like I told my husband I said I don't know something really weird's happening because I can't even get the storm door open on the back of the house yeah. and that we had we had a storage room that got damaged and um a part of like we have a storage room that's attached to our house and then we have a little freestanding aluminum or metal mm -hmm. building of some sort little storage room and it had peeled back part of our roof it didn't take it off it just it just rolled it up. It looked like the Jolly Green Giant came and just rolled up the corner of the... So it's it's wild. They are wild. Man, like I seen watched the movie I feel like it's Twister? Is it called yep, Twister? Twister? Yeah. Classic. Out. It's been way too long. <laughs> is, there a, is there a number two coming out? That's what I've heard. Oh my gosh. I remember watching that movie when I was a kid and just being like, this is wild. People live these places and these folks are chasing the storm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for a while we were storm chasers. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a very needed thing, but it's a very expensive hobby. I bet. I was like, yeah, we're my husband's a paramedic, and he was on the unit for many, many years. Um, so I was like, yeah, we don't. First responder is this. We don't. We can't afford these kind of habits. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We, we need some cheaper hobbies. <laughs> that's that's wild. Uh, Chase, I remember when. Because we, we were right near in Iowa, we were, I think we we're just south of this area called Tornado Alley. Mm -hmm. And I remember the one thing I was my coach, I was like, "What Tornado Alley? Like, <laughs> that's the last time you guys had a." He's like, and we were in like a little town, and he was like, "We uh -huh. don't get, we don't really get, we've never really got one in hundreds of years." But you know, it also doesn't snow there, so I don't know. Um, and he was, we they set the the sirens off one day. And I kept going to my roommate. I was like, do we have to go down now? Do we have to go down the cell now? <laughs> now? And she was like, Ashley, <laughs> I will let you know if we need to uh, go. I, will let, I won't leave you here. We'll let you know. I was like, okay. But they're like, the sirens are going off. Do we need to? 
because it was like a watch versus a warning and i don't know the difference but i just kept trusting my midwest roommate to tell me when yeah. i needed to go hide but i didn't have to i was good that night so. yeah. <laughs> crazy crazy so you know we talked a lot about technology and um and how it does fail us and how can folks prepare you know for when it is going to fail other than having their handy dandy ink pen what is something they can do um to kind of ease into that that crisis when it does happen practice mm. practice makes perfect so and my crew didn't always love me for this so it was three o'clock in the morning and we're kind of dead and i'd say okay kids the cats just crashed where are your people mm. Because you tend to, when you've typed it in Mm. and you're watching the clock, just to note when you need to check on them, Mm -hmm. you kind of mentally don't pay real close attention or you Mm. might, you know, forget. I'm not saying that you'll always know. And it depends on how many officers you have working the street. And Mm -hmm. and, in our facility, we dispatch for everything. I tell people if it says the city of Olive Branch on the side of it, We've got a radio or an on-call phone number. We have a way to get a hold of that person from mm-hmm. the dog catcher to the sewers backing up to mm-hmm. my water ain't working, um, fire, EMS, police, you know, all of the things. Mm-hmm. But I always tell them, I call them my ducks on the pond. Mm-hmm. And um, I always want to know how many ducks I have on the pond. So don't be out there doing your secret squirrely stuff. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to put it on the radio, we have an encrypted channel now. There's no scanner land here anymore. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that has been amazing. Uh-huh. Encrypted channel is the way to go. If you have any say-so in your agency mm-hmm. and they're weighing on it, yeah, go with the encrypted channel. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm always like, if you're, if you're out doing something, just pick up, just let me know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, so I always tell them, you know, to practice, just practice yeah. it, you know, tell yourself mentally, hey, CAD just went down, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so, and um, the other thing is, is practice looking up the addresses in your city in your map book. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem that we're having is the company that used to make our map books, mm-hmm a lot of the map book companies are going out of business because people don't buy map books anymore. Yeah. And it was a smaller operation. We have a really great map book. It's broke down into grids. It's fabulous. They've always done such a wonderful job, hmm. but um, we haven't had a new map book come out since I think 2022 hmm. um, or no, it was 2021. Hmm. Uh and so used to where we got them every year and we would have them and they were issued standard issue for every single officer. Um, but, you know, it's practice that makes perfect. And when mm-hmm. you have downtime, practice that. Um, you know, if you given the opportunity, ride your areas, ride your cities mm-hmm. and just sort of know, even if you don't know the exact street names, but if you can associate the street names or here we have subdivision names. I don't, I don't know if y'all have that in California, but if you can mm-hmm. associate the subdivision names with the street names, then when your CAD does go down or when something happens, then 
you know, you're just that much farther up on the game. Mm-hmm. Tricks that I've used back when I dispatched for the sheriff's department or back in the early 90s when, because um, a lot of our area didn't have street lights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 3 a.m. dark is 3 a.m. dark. Yeah. And you're trying to find house numbers and a lot of people just didn't display their addresses. It wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the tricks that we would use is, you know, for especially for ambulance and fire calls for some of the parts of the county, the streets uh, or the houses are old farm houses. And so mm-hmm. they're back off of the road a pretty good ways. Mm-hmm. If something can, is there somebody there that can drive a vehicle down to the end of the driveway and turn on the emergency flashers? Mm-hmm. You know, people activate their emergency flashers when they've been in a wreck, but mm-hmm. a lot of times the officers can see the cars. So if there's something going on at your house, if you can activate your emergency flashers on your car, it helps mm-hmm. us locate the house a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just those are just some of the tricks I could think of right off the top of my head. But yeah. I always tell them don't get so comfortable with your technology that you yeah. forget how to function when it's not here. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was kind of talking to somebody about that, and they were like, well, I mean, if your computer goes down in your office, they can just use their phone to GPS. And I was like, pumpkin, the whole, tor- the whole cell phone <laughs> tower is gone. The tornado ate it. <laughs> it did. It was a crunchy little snack. And we'll get some pieces of it four or five miles away. Um <laughs> The other thing is, is um, like, you know, we've dispatched for fire and EMS. And so a lot of times the firemen are really good or the ambulance people too, but um, because they drive the areas checking fire hydrants. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times they're real familiar with everything in their area. Yeah. So if you, and ask callers, um, the main, you know, what big street is your house near? Because mm. a lot of times if, you know, like if one of our main highways here is Highway 305 and, you know, when somebody's giving directions that they say, well, if you, you know, turn off a of Highway 305 onto such and such street, well, you know, that's going to help you when you're, when you don't have access to the technology that you're used to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, those are just a few of the things I can think of. But what I tell people, I mean, I just, I preach to our people, know, know your areas, mm-hmm. learn your areas. Some of it's going to come just when you're sitting in dispatch um, because, you know, you're going to get calls to the, to the same areas. But another thing is that we have a hard problem here. We have a huge industrial park, mm-hmm. a huge industrial park. We have, multiple buildings there that are over a million square feet. Nine one one, 9 what's your emergency? Well, Bubba just got hit with the backhoe. And I'm like, okay, where is Bubba? Well, we're right here at, you know, XYZ Company. Okay. When my ambulance gets there, where do they need to come in to get to Bubba? Oh, just come in the door, uh, just come in the employee entrance. And a lot of times I'll say, okay, is it clearly marked on the outside that that's the employee entrance? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Hey, is this say employee entrance on the door <laughs> we walk in every day? 
<laughs> someone just oh, left a comment on my Instagram about that. Like, someone's like, just come to the employee entrance. And you're like, where's the employee entrance? And they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. thing. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's little, it's, it's little things like that because I do believe that the stuff like that saves time. It, mm-hmm. The aimless, even if they have a scene time of less than seven minutes, it does no good if they're having to walk an entire million square feet yeah. because they parked at the wrong door. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, that's some of the things I try to pass on. But the main thing is, is, is get, when you have the downtime, pretend in your head your cat just crashed and see how many of your officers you can jot down on paper really, really quickly and get their location right. Mm. So true. And it goes a long way. Just that little practice, you know, like it's not perfection. We're not looking for anyone to be a a cat system themselves, but just reminding yourself that when in doubt, you know, just having that awareness is going to go a long way if Mm -hmm. you are on shift when that crash does happen, because it will happen one day eventually. And it's always at, you know, 6 p.m. on Friday. Oh, thousand percent. It's always when the IT the manager is gone to a conference or out of town. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. When they leave, we should also not be there. That's that's just my opinion. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I prefer to be there when they're not there, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Sheila, this has been an amazing conversation. As we wrap it up, I'm going to ask you the last question um, that I ask everyone, which is, what advice would you give someone who is considering a career in dispatch? The biggest problem we have in our retention is people not understanding exactly. They think, they hear oh yeah, I'm going to work nights. But then they don't consider exactly how that's going to affect their family. Mm -hmm. So I always tell them before you do this, think about next Saturday night and what's planned with your family. Next Tuesday in your kid's soccer game or whatever. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to feel when you're not there because you have to be at work? Mm -hmm. If that is not going to cause you a lot of mental or emotional stress, then you'll do well. Hmm. A lot of times it's the work-life balance more than it is the job. The other advice I always tell them is call your local agencies on their non-emergency line (laughs) and ask them what their policy is to come in and sit along. Hmm. because people have a conception of where they live and what goes on in their town or their city and sometimes when they go and sit in dispatch they're really surprised to find out exactly how busy it is now the area that I live in for several years I don't know if it was nationwide but for several years we were the fastest growing city in our area or the country or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so a thing just came out in Forbes magazine this week and we're still ranked 36 out of the top 50. So when I say we've seen explosive growth, we've seen explosive growth. Yeah. And 
So people don't realize that we are very much a lot busier than we used to be. Mm-hmm. Just because when you have more people, you have more calls. Mm-hmm. It's not always bad. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, pestilence and famine, but we have four times the residents we used to have and everybody has alarm systems yeah. and no one knows how to use them. That part or what the location is. <laughs> or, yeah. You know, all of the officers are still looking for zone five. If we can yeah. find zone <laughs> five, we can solve all the problems. <laughs> so that's what I tell them is just go into it knowing because a lot of times it's the, or at least I've found in our area because every area has different things. But in our area, the biggest thing, the, the reason, the majority of the time, the reason that we lose people is because of that um, schedule conflict mm-hmm. of their yeah. work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Sheila, this has been amazing. Oh, thank, well, you thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so I'm much. So for- honored. I am, I'm so honored at the work you do. Matter of fact, I just gave two seasoned one of them's been in the business almost as long as I have. Uh-huh. Your information, I was like, go to this website. Yes. She is rocking it out there in California. Stop it, Sheila. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Thank you. I, I I really do appreciate it. And it, it it it's so awesome when folks reach out and they want to come on the show and they're like in Mississippi, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we don't know each other. We, uh, this is how we've met this virtual connection in this moment here and hearing your story, how you got into dispatch and how it's grown. It, it, it is really exciting. And I really do appreciate your willingness to come on and share that experience with everyone who's listening, including myself. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving me your morning. <laughs> I plan on doing nothing after this. <laughs> All right, Sheila. Thank you again so, so much. Thank you for your service, for everything that you do, uh, for fighting those tornadoes so I don't have to. Okay. I really do appreciate it. I'll be right back with you, okay? Okay. All right, everybody. That was another amazing episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch. As Sheila said, technology is amazing. And I know a lot of folks who are not working in the dispatch first responder world don't have a great understanding of what we actually can do with this tech. But when it does fail, we do need to be prepared to respond and continue to do our job. So Practice makes perfect. Practice pretending when your CAD goes down, how you're going to respond, what your game plan's going to be. So in those worst case situation, we're going to ease right through it. Like, subscribe, tell a friend, all the things. Until next time, everybody, stay raspy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch, a Raspy Dispatcher production. If you like the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and of course, tell a friend. If you want to be a guest, head to the raspydispatcher.com and check out our additional resources. Until next time, stay raspy, everybody.